Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So yesterday was Martin Luther King's birthday, and it is something to celebrate in America. Aubrey O'Day decided she would do it her way. She is getting dragged. Yeah, this, um, this is just stupid. I cannot believe she did this. But anyway, Aubrey posted something that at the outset you might think, okay, this is gonna be nice. She had her location uh, down as I have a dream. All right. Okay. Uh, and then she uh, quoted Dr. King, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. And even that photo of her, you go like, all right, it's whatever. Ref it's ref reflective. Right. Seems like she's very reflective. But then you go through the rest of the photos that she also put in this post. Yeah. That's less reflective. And it's going to get less. And it's going to get even <laughs> less reflectiver. <laughs> Less and less. It's gonna get reflector. super less reflective. Uh, she put in a video, doctor video, with uh, Donald Trump holding up image of her, a video of her showing her butt, which we've clearly had to blur. And then Biden. She also used Biden doing it, so she was bipartisan she about was, it. She was bipartisan, but to do this, but you know, under the umbrella of Martin Luther King. Right. Ugh. I mean, to start with that quote, that which clearly is gonna draw people in on the day we are honoring his birthday, it's his holiday, she knows she's gonna get eyeballs, To the algorithm's gonna pick it up also on Instagram, that's the game she's playing here. But here's my question. And then all it was, was a sales thing for her here, here, OnlyFans. Here's my question, and, and it is OnlyFans, which itself is something, right? Um, no, and, and that's not disparaging against OnlyFans, it's just, right, the way I look at this is, she knows what she's doing. She knew this, 100%. She knew 100% what she was doing. She, she knew the math behind it. She knew the, uh, the social media science behind it. She and, and it worked perfectly. I mean, we're talking about it on the show. Yeah, right. people were upset about it online. You know, there's people in her comments that were upset about it. There are people that didn't care. There probably were people that ended up signing up to her OnlyFans to check right. out the videos. So at the end of the day, it worked. Um, I kind of feel like anytime you use Martin Luther King um, or like, uses quotes, even to sell anything, people are gonna be upset about it, let alone if it's OnlyFans. Particularly on his holiday. On his holiday. Like, so you're, and you're right. I mean, people, and look, I don't, I don't wanna be naive enough to say that she's the only person who did something like this. She's, yesterday, she's just the, the biggest one who did it. And she would and say- And maybe she's reaping the she most benefit. She would say that's a win. I guess, but yeah, is it a win? I mean, yes, if your bottom line is just to sell, then I guess it's a win. What she but, could have done, I mean, the, the Biden and the Trump ones, in my opinion, were much funnier and more clever. Yeah. And, there, and there's another one where like a curtain drops down and it's a close-up shot of her butt. I feel I, like I have no those issue ones were a lot more effective than using the quote, personally. I have no issue with that. And I don't have any issue with her even trying to promote uh, her OnlyFans page. But don't, like, promote it with some integrity and using that quote from Dr. King. As it turns out, when we become silent about things that matter, Nothing about this post matters, other than some people to her. argue differently. She, she, oh God! She knows what she's doing, and you know, and, and it's we're kind of living in a country right now. Go ahead and sell, but sell with some integrity. But but she's going to say no. Um, I'm not going to sell that way because <laughs> look at what happened. This works. It so the market the marketplace the marketplace makes it okay. louder. <laughs> and I'm not saying, but by the way, I'm not. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're but saying. But I, I do think that at a point, you know. Um, she got what she wanted. 
That one is just hilarious. <laughs> Come that, on, that part guys. is funny. That, that one part is, is just funny. gold. That in a vacuum funny. without Dr. King attached to it, it's I would hysterical. laugh hilariously. What's up, man? Fred out of Indianapolis. I feel like there should be consequences. She either should sit in prison, <laughs> uh, fight a German shepherd, uh, I don't know, face a fire hose, something for using MLK Day to try to sell her pasteurized whole fat transfer milk that day. It's crazy. <laughs> Pasteurized oh whole God. fat milk. That was Man, good. Sure. That was good. Okay, we got to move on. Yes. Uh, Big night last Emmy night. Awards. Uh, the Primetime Emmys, 75th annual, uh, went down, and Jennifer Coolidge, uh, not surprisingly, was a winner again. Um, she won for Supporting Actress uh, for White Lotus. Which she richly deserved. Absolutely. I, I, this might be, I guess, the final award she's going to get for that role since... Spoiler alert. Well, they made that clear, right? <laughs> yeah. She died in it. She won't be back. So we got her out. We got and, her out right and, after the awards. And I got to say, our, first of all, shout out to Mel, our camera person. She did a great job with this. But Jennifer was just all in talking to Mel about the night and about foot fetishes. The thing goes on a long time with the, uh, with the bad shoes. Yeah. And How are your shoes? I took them off. Oh, you're walking <laughs> barefoot? Can I see? No, not like that. No, you can't see my feet. <laughs> I can see all those weird foot fetishes. Oh, you're right. On that, yeah, that foot foot <laughs> but um, but I am. Wouldn't that be great if I pulled up my dress and I had no feet? <laughs> um, the conversation went on. It went on and on and on and on. But so here's what you need to know. This is the the full context of Jennifer Coolidge standing barefoot outside the Ritz in downtown L.A. Which is right by where the theater the was. The, the Peacock Theater, where they had the Emmys, is a, a couple of blocks across the street. That means that she walked barefoot, guys, this, downtown L.A. This is the most dangerous thing that's two? happened in L.A. in two weeks. <laughs> All right, stop it. Safe to say that's pretty gross. Downtown L.A. is grimy, and there's needles and a bunch of other stuff down there. Um, so walk at your own risk. Then again... Jennifer Coolidge is a little kooky, and she's a lot of fun, uh, proven in this clip of ours. I don't know if you guys caught her uh, acceptance speech. She thanked all the quote-unquote evil gays, which is a, a reference to the show, so her role yes. in the show. There's a whole plot that involves the quote gays, if you will. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge is a national treasure, There's that's for sure. No, yeah. she's, uh, boy, she's having her moment. Um, it was a, a good show last night, Anthony really Anderson, because look, we've been talking now for a week about, um, about Joe Coy and about the fact Kevin Hart said I would never host the Oscars. And then Chelsea Handler took a shot at Joe Coy. So, yes, hosting these award shows can be uh, a perilous gig. I got to say, uh, I think uh, Anthony Anderson did a really good job. And he got fact, good reviews. Got good reviews from a lot of people we spoke to, comedians that we spoke to mm -hmm. uh, after the award show. And everyone felt like he did a really good job. How do you feel about your hosting gig? How do you feel like it went? I feel great. I feel great. You should ask the people how they felt about it, but I feel great about what I did. How long did it take for you to prepare for this? Uh, you know what? There you go. Uh, it didn't take long for me because I had a great team. I have a great writing staff here. We've worked together on numerous award shows before. Uh, they put together the ideas, and I said, yeah, let's make it go. happen. Okay, go. I'm sorry. Go. 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 Will you host another one? I, I, I would love to host another one. What's you have to ask the Academy that. Oh, you want to host the Oscar? Of course I want to host the Oscar. Wow, he's all in. He's all in. He'd host another Emmys and... And the Oscars. And the Oscars. So uh, I, I, I don't know if you guys are picking up on this. Maybe I'm misreading this. I'm sensing a little bit of, like, digs at 
Joe Coy. With the writer, it was a little yeah, bit yep. with the writers. I'm yeah. also sensing a little dig at maybe Kevin Hart, perhaps, because Kevin Hart very public said, I would never do the Oscars. Well, first of all, you're never going to get invited, dude. You, you had your chance and you blew it. Anthony Anderson might still have that chance. He's still in Hollywood's good graces. And by the way, he did a, he did do a great job. He was safe. He was funny. Nostalgia. Well, see, like, that's, by all accounts, he was great. There. The you safe said, part. The safe part. He definitely yeah, was yeah, safe. But like, and I mean, it was look, still it's, it's an award show. People are not looking for crazy edginess. They just want to get through the show and just make it nice and easy. Just make it goes. If it goes down easy, that's all anybody really wants. You know what I mean? Like. Anyway, so I, I perceive I shots at Joe Coy and at Kevin Hart a little bit. From I don't Anthony think he there. took a shot at Kevin Hart only because I know that they are very good friends. But so he I took don't a shot at Joe Coy. But yes, when, there when was he talked about the writer, a very subtle one. Right. Ken, also, Jung, think, Ken Jung took a shot at Joe Coy too during the actual ceremony. He made a he made a, he made a joke saying, "I only got a gig like ten days ago," which was a reference to Joe Coy complaining on stage. I only got this job ten days ago. Go easy on me. Bottom line, Joe Coy botched that. We all know that. And I think that throughout this award season, we're going to see more digs like this throughout. I think this has got to be done by now, right? I, like, I think we're done. They've, they've hit him twice. Yeah, it's if been they eight, do it again, it's like, oh, God. It's don't, been, what, nine days now? I hope now. they don't do this at the Oscars because it's played out. One very uh, sweet moment uh, at oh, the Oscars. Yeah. Actually, Christina the very Applegate. first award was handed out by Christina Applegate, and who you know, of course, is battling uh, MS. But she came out on stage and got an incredible reception. Um, and boy, her, her sense of humor, this was so quick. Watch uh, how she reacted to the standing up. with disability by standing up. It's fine. Okay. Um. Uh, she's, she still has her comedic chops, and she's also that a national great. treasure. Love, love Christina Applegate. I love her. Yeah. Oh, my God. She, that, she was so incredible in Dead to Me. Oh, my God. She yes. was so good in that. Uh, really good. By the way, you, and I know award shows aren't your thing. They're not. You would have enjoyed this because they also reunited a bunch of, like, really classic TV oh they did show, uh they did TV cheers they, they did, did cheers yeah they did cheers um martin ally um, mcbeal oh they i didn't know they yeah. did ally mcbeal and the and the one they didn't do which they probably should have frankly was for matthew perry for friends but you know none of this none of also the hard to were get found for seeing together. except jennifer right, right. i'm comedian chris hightower from danville illinois and looking like anthony anderson is a complete coincidence shout out to christina applegate but jennifer coolidge missed a big shot she is the pioneer of the older woman fantasy. So she should have broke those feet out. That's that foot fetish money. <laughs> I think she's trying to shake that. Yeah, like, I think she's like, <laughs> I can't shake this MILF thing that's been following me around for oh, however God. long American Pie's been out. Uh, as a performer, uh, especially a rock band, you want to make an impression every time you get on stage. Well, Green Day <laughs> definitely did that. Uh, they have been hearing it for the last couple of weeks about their New Year's Eve performance on the New Year's Rockin' Eve with uh, Ryan Seacrest. Um, they performed one of their classic hits, American Idiot, but they changed the lyrics. And I say they are hearing it from both sides. There are people who love this change, and there are people who hate it and think that they turn this into a political statement. Um, here's why they're getting that kind of feedback. Here's the lyric that they changed. Don't wanna be an American don't want a nation under the new meaning. Well, maybe I'm the at America. 
So it played pretty well with the crowd there. Well, so but you know, there were a lot of people at home. This is well, I can I can give you the statistic. Yeah. Half the people loved it. <laughs> half the people hated it. Right? right? Now they were performing in Hollywood, so people in the audience are gonna right. be more uh, who loved it, but people who were watching on TV, um, they got a lot of blowback about this. So is the, got, uh, be, before you do, be, I, and I know we got Green Day, but I, yeah. I just want to understand the connection here. So are they the saying original that lyric? Was, I, oh, I know the original. Yeah. Are they basically saying that the MAGA people are, are American idiots? idiots? Yes. Okay. That's, that's yep. kind of what pretty I simple. They that's were it. Doing. <laughs> okay. Um, and hence the blowback, I think, from people on <laughs> certain side of the aisle. So uh, we got the guys from Green Day out at LAX yesterday, and Billy Joe Armstrong stands by the decision to change the lyric. <laughs> um, in fact, he's got a message for the people who are ticked off about it. Is America more idiotic now than before when that song came out? Uh, I, that would be yes. I know you guys changed up that lyric uh, at the show the other day. Are you worried about like, you know, Same some maybe like some fans like boycotting oh, or anything? Classic, bro. Nah, nah. I, I don't know. It's, everybody was clutching their pearls. Any message to the, the, mag, the MAGA fans that are Thank you guys so maybe much. upset? I appreciate it. Look, I mean, I, they have they, their beliefs. And, they have their and beliefs. They've never, they've never been shy about it. And they're no. not the first group to express those beliefs. Right. I think the interesting thing about this is that what it does, and it just, it reminds me of what Hillary Clinton did, which a lot of people think was a huge mistake where she called yeah. his supporters deplorables. deplorables. Right. That what it does is it animates the people that you go yeah. after. Uh, Harvey, right. I, I literally, I, 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 you, you can't see that. I, I literally wrote that down right here. It reminds me so much. That was, of course, 2016 presidential campaign. Hillary says that uh, that the you know Trump supporters are the basket of deplorables, and she said half of his supporters were either sexist or racist or you, you know whateverist. I, I don't know when these you know these quote unquote elites, and that's what Green Day is. They've been famous since the '90s. They're rich. They're famous, and I I am sure they don't feel the pain that many everyday Americans are going through right now. Donald Trump hadn't been president for for three years, guys. It, it's Joe Biden who's president. And, well, but you know why? But you know why they brought up. The reason they took the I, shot well, is it's election year. No, hey, right? I, I get I get it, but I, I mean, look at a certain point. Do they not look around and say, "Hey, this guy got like 74 million votes last time. He is he dominated in the Iowa caucus." I mean, maybe you just don't like the country because Donald Trump seems to have a lot of supporters. I I, I just well, but but I, people, I, but, but, hold on. Well, but but people have Rock, a right, right to to object to. If no, Kid I, Rock no, were I get on, it, but, Harvey. But but, Mike, but, but you know the, that the, if Kid Rock the, were on the stage, the line's redneck, and they then and they they subbed redneck. For MAGA, so th they are obviously saying the words are, are synonymous with one another. I just don't know so when Babcock, they're going to stop Babcock, calling let, these people let, idiots. Let, let, let me ask you a question point. because I've heard you. You know, you've talked in the office about yeah. this. What do you think about the left wing of the Democratic Party? Because I've heard people. Um, I think you've expressed kind of your dis disdain for that. So what's the difference uh, in terms of? Both sides going after the other no, side. No, they and look, and I'm not saying I I would fight for Green Day's right to say what they said. I would I'm not trying I'm all for free speech. I just I, I just I, I feel like that these people that that support Donald Trump have been called 
idiots and they've been called every name in the book for so long now. And I, I just think maybe it would, it, would, it would behoove the people on the left to wake up and say, hey, m you know, maybe they're not idiots. Maybe we might listen to what they're saying. I hear what you, Mike, I hear what you're saying about the name calling and maybe that feels, but let's not sit here and act like that people on the right don't have oh, name no, calling about sure, people Charles, on the left. 100%, 100%. And if Kid Rock were, and if Kid Rock were on stage, I'm pretty sure he'd have something to say about people who support Joe Biden, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I think he okay. had. I think he had. I think he had. Right. Absolutely. So I, I would never all, argue against that. As Billy Joe said, let's not all clutch our pearls here and let's just realize this is the country we live I'll in. I'll tell you what. Right. It, it's but there be is a, a but, the, but there is a consequence to it, and the consequence is right. that the side that it's directed right. at, they will be more likely to go out and vote to prove a point on both sides. Right. And the people who come out the most, that they will win. determine the winner of the election. Hey, it's Justin Littlechild. I'm calling from Wetaskiwin, Canada. You know, this is punk rock. This is what Green Day's always been about. It's been about anti-establishment and sticking it to the man. So they're going to say what they feel is on their mind. Okay, I got to ask you something because we, we got to move on. But real quickly, um, there's a market out here called Erewhon where they're doing all these smoothies. And they're charging like 20 bucks. I see the blender behind you. Do you make smoothies? I don't make a lot of smoothies. What do you, no. what do you use the blender for? <laughs> what, no, what do you use the blender uh, for? It's not my blender. I don't use it. <laughs> but, um, there's other, other people who make smoothies. But Do I look like a smoothie guy? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that. Uh, we're going to move on, though. Yes, let's move on to uh, a beef that has been squashed, it appears. Uh, and that is, we told you yesterday about Ariana DeBose and the shot that was taken at her at the Critics' Choice Award. Which was harsh. Yeah. Uh, Bella Ramsey, while presenting an award, basically said that Ariana is lumped in with people like... Who are not singers. Yeah. Actors who think that they're singers. Uh, and she's got singing chops and she's a singer. Clearly has singing chops. Um, so last night at the Emmy Awards, looks like they squashed the whole thing. Um, that is Bella and Ariana hugging. Now, we don't know what the conversation was, but I take a good guess that it was something like, I didn't write that, Ariana. She was just reading from the prompter. She's reading a teleprompter, like almost all presenters are, unless you're a stand-up comedian and you can just go up there and wing it. But everyone else is reading the teleprompter, and who knows how, how long before they get out there they actually get to see that. Well, copy. no, 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 they see it. I know this. I mean, they, they have rehearsals. So they know they, what's, what's up. They know what's up. There are changes made sometimes. And, and guys, you know, we've spoken to, to co-stars of, of Ariana, you know, one of our co-stars from Hamilton, who, who backed her up and said she's a world-class actress, said she's incredible at what she does, and that this really, this whole incident from the Critics' Choice Awards the other night falls on the fact of a, a really lazy writer uh, and, and the comment that they made Bella say. Have you ever heard more talk about writers than this award season? They are front and center, well, these writers. I think to Joe Coy's point, which was that you have a room full of people who are very sensitive, and so every now everybody is paying attention you know what, to what, these, what the presenters are saying. Do you know what Joe Coy should have done? He should have come out and said, look, we just had a long strike. They're rusty. <laughs> Stranger Things star Noah Schnapp has found himself in the company of Gigi Hadid and Bella Hadid. And many others. And many others in that uh, back uh, a few months ago after October 7th, he spoke out about the conflict between Israel and Hamas. And he says now that a lot of his words were misconstrued. Got a lot of blowback for promoting or showing these uh, stickers that say 
Zionism is sexy. Noah, if you don't know, is Jewish. And so there were a lot of people who felt like that was uh, insensitive. Uh, and there were other things, there was another video he posted where some people took it as he was supporting the Hamas violence. Now, I think that might have been, really might have been misconstrued. But he's heard all of this, and for whatever reason, and I only say for whatever reason because it has been several months, so I'm not sure exactly why he's chosen now to clear this up. Because it's probably an echo chamber in his head that he's yeah. still getting reaction. Maybe. So he uh, posted a pretty long video, about two minutes, uh, but here are the highlights of this where he is explaining what he feels about the conflict very clearly. I feel like my thoughts and beliefs have been so far misconstrued from anything even close to what I believe. And I wanted to just state from my heart how I feel. I only want peace and safety and security for all innocent people affected by this conflict. One of the takeaways I've had is that we all hope for the same things, that being those innocent people still being held hostage in Gaza to be returned to their families and equally hope for an end to the loss of innocent life in Palestine. So many of those people being women and children. We are all human and we're all the same and we should all love each other for that and support each other and stand together. He did this months ago, right? This was several the months initial, ago. The initial, the initial videos. Which was yes. way closer to October 7th. Right. If you rewind to October 7th, what you have is a terrorist group that basically uh, act, killed act, and yeah. raped and did horrible things to 1,400 people in Israel. So when he made his statement, he was making the statement against Hamas. Since then, um, we have seen this horrible loss of life in Gaza mm -hmm. with innocent, innocent Palestinians. And you know, you can feel the way you do about Hamas and still feel compassion and empathy for what's going on with the Palestinians. With the, with the Palestinians. Right. So I think the comment he's making now is personally, I mean, I agree with it. Right. That I just ache for what's going on with, with innocent Palestinians. And at the same time, it's horrific what Hamas did and what they did to Jews and what they did to Israelis. And so I think what he said, when you look at it mm -hmm. in mid-January, it makes sense. I like what you're saying, Harvey. It sounds like he's had time to reflect on it. And I, well, and no, I believe that to a certain extent, but to go from Zionism is sexy, which is the most pro-Israel statement you can have, all the way to this sort of measured commentary, I think that dramatic turn is due to the time but, of but, the but, show. But Derek, when he made this statement, it was really kind of on the heels of October 7th. And on October 7th, what you had was a terrorist group which was just horrifically murdering people in Israel. So at the time, you could understand somebody standing up with a statement like that. Things have changed since then. And I we mean, basically see, you're saying that things have cooled off and now the- uh, Not cooled the, off, they've the, heated up. They've heated up. But the cry, but again, back then it was more about we need to avenge what happened to Hamas. Right. To Hamas. And I, and I still feel that way. That Hamas is responsible for everything that was set in motion here. Now, that doesn't mean Netanyahu has not gone overboard. That doesn't mean that. But at the time, yeah, it was a statement against Hamas. Side of Shadow, Columbus, Ohio. So I think that um, something to consider is he is a young Jewish boy. 
And I think that maybe he's dealing with pressure from the different groups that are around him, you know what I mean, in his daily circles. So, I mean, it's one thing for him to identify with his personal identity, but at the same time, there's the pressure of this openness and this collaborative type love thing. And I think he genuinely feels that. Um, as far as him, you know, coming out now, I mean, there may have been some pressure from the studio, but I think that his sentiments seem genuine. Yeah, I do too. And by the way, part of what he said is that he is advised, consulted with uh, friends of his who are Palestinian and he's listened to their views. And maybe that's also part of what brought him up. I just want to say real quickly that we had a former employee here who is Palestinian mm -hmm. and he and I text back and forth. And I so value and treasure yeah. being able to talk to him, and you know who it is. Yeah, I've had some and, of those same conversations. And, and it's yeah. great to have those conversations. We're taking a break. All right, uh, when we come back, oh boy, did Harry and Meghan do it this time. Uh, there is a report that before she died, Queen Elizabeth was really upset about something they did. Basically, she says there was only one thing she had to her name, and they took it from her. <laughs> what was it? Stick around. Welcome back to TMZ Live. Um, Harry and Meghan obviously have their issues with the royal family, um, particularly with uh, his father. With all of them. But, but, be but before she died, the one thing that Harry and Meghan said in their documentary, in the book. They loved the queen. That they loved the queen and felt like they had a great relationship with Queen Elizabeth, that there was no issue there. <laughs> well, there is a book that came out about uh, the royal family, it's about King Charles. Um, and the author alludes to this, and also the Daily Mail has actually uh, quoted a source that backs up the report in the book that Queen Elizabeth was ticked off by the fact that they jacked her name for their daughter. Uh, this is the quote, according to this source, the Queen said, I don't own the palaces, I don't own the paintings, the only thing I own is my name, and now they've taken that. Now. To be clear, there are other members of the royal family who have Elizabeth as a middle name, but nobody before Lilibet um, had it as a first name. Ah, I will say, usually when you have a baby, the uh, family members in your family are delighted when you take their name or you put it in some form of like, oh my gosh, you passed down the name. It's, it's this namesake. It's a family generation type of thing. Sure. And you know that this family feud runs deep when the queen is mad at the fact that Lilibet has her name. I mean, I get where she's coming from, you know, for her whole entire life, she never really owned any of the things that she was able to have. She owned her name and she's very upset about that. But that's when you know you have one side of the family saying that they were cool with it and now you have another source for the queen saying that she wasn't and she was the angriest you've ever seen her. She may have said it in passing. That doesn't mean that she was on some she, campaign. Yeah, that it's like, to her grave, like. If we talked, if we started chronicling everything you and I say in passing, mm -hmm. oh God. <laughs> oh, I, but I take very seriously, like, God forbid, when you do pass. <laughs> God first forbid, thing you made a joke first, of it this weekend. The first weekend. thing I'm gonna say is, <laughs> He was really ticked that he, he wasn't invited to my wedding. He, it, totally. And he made... <laughs> See, you said that in passing, no, no, but you no. said it in passing so many times that... And, and no, no, I really mean that. <laughs> but uh, no, he made, literally made jokes this weekend about me dying. I don't think I did. Four years ago about me dying. Seriously. Four years ago, I probably did. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lindsay, and I'm in Indianapolis. If I'm the queen, yeah, I would be upset, especially if they didn't ask permission. 
But if I'm her, I'm more upset they're using my name because ever since they left, they have done nothing but trash this entire family. Okay, we're moving on. Yes, uh, to one of the uh, kings, I was gonna say the queen, but now the king's royal subjects, John Oliver, who uh, was a big winner last night at the Emmys. Uh, but Emmys aside, he's got, he's got a, a bit of a, a beef going on um, that maybe he's got to address at some point. He did address it with us, and the beef is with Elon Musk. Yep. Um, John Oliver, for a long time, has taken shots at uh, Elon Musk on his show, and Elon Musk recently responded, started tweeting some things. Which is weird. Um, he said, or sorry, I don't know if you call it tweeting anymore, posted on X. He's Xing. Yeah, <laughs> he said, it is rather tragic to see an otherwise capable comedian like John Oliver become weak sauce. The reason he is not very funny these days is because he is too keen to pander to wokeness, which is fundamentally a lie, whereas great humor requires revealed truth. That's so a, That's interesting. Interesting. That we got John Oliver out. Yeah, does John Oliver think it's interesting? Uh, here is his response to Elon Musk. Why is Elon Musk so upset with you to this day? You have to, you're gonna have to track him down and ask him. I don't know, that's a thin skin. Uh, yeah, I, I cannot possibly pretend to guess what is in that man's mind at any time. Yeah, he seems wounded. If you think he's a bit sensitive then, he said he's thin skin. Was he, is he sensitive? Oh, he's definitely sensitive. Right. That, is a, that is a biological fact. Right. Yeah. To, 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 to answer what he said, he said that you're not funny anymore because you pandered to wokeness. I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't think he could explain what that means, and I think it means nothing. Right. <laughs> so what's your response to him? I, I don't know what you're. I don't know literally what he's talking about. What doesn't make sense about what he's saying is, he says on the one hand, I have no idea, and then he says he's got thin skin. That's the answer because on your show, um, right? You you make fun of him and you say he's got thin skin, ergo, the answer. Right? Don't you think it's so telling about who Elon Musk is, considering that he's the second richest person in the world, he's the leader of a platform that hangs its hat on free speech, and yet he's so triggered by what a late night comedian is talking about him. He's just talking, railing up against him on X, and in a way trying to convince his followers to stop watching John Oliver, it kind of defeats the purpose of yeah, his Yeah, I mean, you're right. Elon, for Elon Musk to, you know, wade into go on a waters. campaign, it's ridiculous, right? It's And you know, right. he has a right John to, Oliver, I mean, he has a right to, but John Oliver's doing what comedians do. Right, right. And then you take shots, they take they take shots at us. And it's like, you, have, you, you know, it's, it's part of the game. I keel out of Portland, Oregon, Sunday Funday, but guess what? John Oliver is a comedian. Elon Musk has been going on this tirade for weeks, months. He's even gone after Mark Cuban about this stuff. He keeps saying the woke mob. What woke mob? Because they believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion? It's so ridiculous that somebody this rich spends all their time fascinated with people just simply stating their opinions or maybe a little bit of facts. It's, not, it's good for one side, but not the other. Come on, Elon. Build the rocket ships, send things to Mars, Let's get Dogecoin to the moon and make Bitcoin great again. Those are what you should be doing as opposed to complaining about everything else. But you know what else was not in his lane? Rocketry. If you say the rocket, oh rocketry was not in his lane. Okay, and it's just all true. he's saying is stick to the rocketry. No, but when you say stick, stick to, the to rocketry, your lane, stick to the rocketry. But that wasn't in his lane until to, it was. Just <laughs> that wasn't in his lane until it was. And, and look, I mean, he's too thin-skinned. He shouldn't care about it. But he does. But the lane thing, I'm not buying. All right.
Well, after the Iowa caucuses, um, and honestly, this entire year, you're going to be hearing a lot about the American dream, um, because that's generally what politicians are trying to sell you on. Vote for me because I'm going to help you achieve the American dream. But there are a lot of people, especially young people, who feel the American dream, at least as we know it or have known it, is dead. Um, and that means because they don't believe they're going to be able to buy a house, that it is just not affordable. I believe it is one in five millennials don't believe they will ever buy a home, much less right now. Um, they just don't think it's going to be affordable. And some, there are some numbers. When you do the math, there are some real concerns here because right. the, the, um, the average income doesn't align with the average cost of a house in terms yeah. of affordability. So what do you do going forward? Um, what should you do if you're a millennial? Uh, by the way, Gen Z doesn't feel much better about this, slightly better than millennials. Um, so what do you do? And what do you do if you're the parent of a millennial who is struggling? Uh, joining us right now to talk about this is Daryl Fairweather. She is the chief economist at Redfin. So she uh, crunches these numbers all the time. Daryl, welcome to TMZ Live. Hi, Daryl. Hello, thank you for having me. So um, look, I know you have just drilled down on this in a big way. So I remember when I was in my 20s, I honestly felt the same way I will never afford a house. I mean, but I guess it's different from back in the day when I said that and now. What's the difference? The difference is, is that we just haven't built enough homes for everybody who wants to buy them. And home values have gone up tremendously, especially during the pandemic when interest rates were so low, home values were going up. And now home prices are so high and interest rates are so high that many people simply can't afford to buy and they can barely afford to rent too. When you say interest rates are high, they, they are coming down some. Is this an is this is is the dilemma driven by high interest rates, if they go back down to 2%, does it reset things or still things bad? Things would get better for a little bit if interest rates were to come down. But over time, there'll be more people competing for the very limited number of homes that are out there. You would see more bidding wars and that would drive up prices all over again. Right, right. So your advice to someone who, let's just forget about LA, New York, let's forget about the coast. But if someone uh, in the middle of the country, um, a millennial struggling, making a decent amount of money, but clearly not going to be able to afford a house. Is it off the table completely as a lot of them believe that they're never going to be able to? Or is there some sort of carrot you can dangle and say, wait it out a certain period of time? There's a lot that local areas are doing to increase the supply of housing. They're changing local zoning rules to allow for more condos and more townhomes that tend to be at a more affordable price point. So I'm hopeful that we're starting to move in the right direction in terms of building more housing that would be affordable. In the meantime, there's nothing wrong with renting. Renting can be a better option, especially if you want to have flexibility over where you want to live and want to be able to move to a new city for a new job at some point. So I don't think that you need to own a home in order to be financially successful. There are different routes to that, but hopefully we do make home ownership more accessible and affordable at the same time. The problem with that is rents, especially in urban areas, have been sky high because of exactly what you're saying, and then you just throw money away every month. Um, I, I wanna go back to something I did when I was in my 20s, because I couldn't afford a house, but I found this 
a converted trailer that they put on a lot. He talks about this trailer well, all no, no, no. the time. But, but it was the only thing that was affordable to me. But what I learned was that I lived in it for a year and a half or so, and then I sold it. And because prices keep going up, I sold it and was able to bootstrap myself up into a better home. And so, you know, I guess... You should be well, looking for that starter home. Should you be, you know, Whatever looking for that long drive to work and, you know, just find something you can get because it's going to appreciate. That's the one thing we know about real estate. Even if you have to move far, even if you have to drive far to work, that's the investment in order to bootstrap yourself up um, and get really into the market. So if you can get onto any ladder in the housing market, that's going to put you in a better position in the future to upgrade to a better home. The people who own homes right now, they've already accumulated wealth, they've built equity, and they are the ones who are well positioned to go buy a home because they can just sell their existing home and have the wealth to buy their next one. So I agree with you that getting onto the housing ladder is important if your long-term goal is to be a homeowner and have that homeowner lifestyle. If you decide that you're going to postpone buying a home and you're going to rent for another year, it might put you on a path where you're always renting. And if you do go that path, it's not necessarily a bad path. You just have to make sure you're saving money and putting into other investments like the stock market, for right. example. Yeah. Okay. Just re, you know, just, we just have to maybe reconceptualize what the American dream is. Not necessarily a picket fence, two dogs. I don't think it's a picket <laughs> yeah. fence, two dogs, the whole thing. Okay. Hey, Daryl, Daryl, we so really appreciate it. Thank you. I, All right. I, I have good memories of that converted trailer. Do you? I really do. I actually do. I'm I don't, so proud of it. I don't have great memories of the rentals that I had in Arizona. Back no, then. the rentals I agree with, but that, that trailer was like a bowling alley, you, too. <laughs> you've never seen a shade of green as there was in the pool at this house that I rented. It was, oh, well, we never used it. By the way, it was you, like a pond. And you haven't seen... The sofa and love seat that I bought at a gas station for $129, both. It was a big night on TV. Uh, aside from a lot of stuff. Yeah. The, the Iowa caucuses. The Emmys. And the football game. Yes. Uh, the Eagles and the Buccaneers. So imagine poor Rob McElhaney, uh, whose cast of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia got a, uh, a pretty big honor last night. Now, they, this show is the longest-running live-action sitcom. It's like 16 years, 16 right? years. They've never been nominated for an Emmy. That's crazy. They still haven't, but they were at least invited last night to the Emmys, uh, and they were on stage Why to present... Why nominated? Uh, so they were on stage to present an award, and it, they actually had a very funny bit. Danny DeVito pointed out the fact that his cast on Taxi got 30-something nominations <laughs> they, I think 30 in five nine. years. Right. Um, and that he had won one, and he's like, oh, and my wife Rhea's got a couple from Cheers, and the rest of the cast is like, great, we have nothing. <laughs> well, Rob McElhaney was more concerned, as we saw as he was sitting in the audience, with the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a huge Eagles fan, and obviously uh, uh, he wanted to watch them. Oh, and boy, then he took an L last at the same night. Time. And yeah, obviously, uh, it was a short-lived uh, stream that he had to watch because the Eagles got absolutely demolished. It was 32 to 9. It really wasn't a game for most of it. Yeah, yeah but he, he watched it. And to the NFL's credit, they make it easy to stream this. They stuff. really do. By the way, Rob did win an Emmy, not for Sonny, 
uh, but for Wrexham. Wrexham. Yeah. I think they won a couple, actually. Yes, they did. Okay, what else do you guys want to talk about? Hey, guys, it's Coco Louie chiming in from Washington, D.C., and I'm giving comments on the Aubrey O'Day story. Um, I think it was definitely in poor taste because, I mean, MLK Day is for something completely different, and that's just, that's not the time nor the place for all. Not the time nor the place not, I'm sorry not the for place for your bare when butt. They, when they show Yeah, the not the place for your, to be shaking your bare butt <laughs> right underneath the quote from Dr. King. I, okay, uh, one more. Rain from extremely frozen Kansas City. Oh. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge uh, walking around barefoot in L.A. after the, the award ceremony. Uh, there's a lot of places I will walk barefoot. L.A., Hollywood is one of those I would never walk around barefoot ever. in. Just the thought of it just makes me cringe. <laughs> uh, given how cold it is here, I would always have on socks anyway. So uh, God bless her and those who are into foot fetishes, but that's extremely gross and uh, <laughs> Something I wouldn't recommend. I like it. He's very respectful of the foot fetish. Uh, right, the foot community. fetish community. <laughs> right. Right or wrong, uh, the Kardashian Jenners get a this tag of having a curse on LA's sports teams or any sports team that they happen to be dating a player. There is history. There is some history to it, but well, Kendall Jenner went to a Lakers game last night with Haley Bieber. Fun night out, but if you're a Lakers fan. And the Lakers have been losing a lot. Lately. I think they lost like 13 out of 15 so or something. So if they're losing, you can't blame her. But guess what? They actually won. So now if so there's now, a curse, is there a blessing it's here? Re- exactly. So what do you think would happen in the next game, <laughs> given their track record right now? Like the odds are they're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the way they've been playing. Why, why does she have a ball? She's sitting courtside. The ball probably just bounced in her direction. I don't think they gave her. Well, I mean, I don't know. I was going to say, they didn't give her a game ball, but it's L.A. It's quite possible. It's L.A., folks. It's quite possible. We will see you tomorrow.